Good morning. It's really good to see everybody here on this first Sunday of Advent. Got a few announcements. We're having a winter clothes drive for Haven for Hope and a food drive for the Holotus House of Neighborly Services this month. We still need some townspeople, shepherds, and angels for our living nativity. None of these are speaking parts. The living nativity will take place on December 18th at 6 and 7 p.m. in Old Town Holotus. It's really a great family event. Sign-up sheets for participants and cookies are in the narthex. Our next Just for Guys meeting will be here at the church at 6 p.m. on December 9th. We will now be lighting the Advent candle. For our first week of Advent, our scripture is Isaiah 60, 2 through 3. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and the gross darkness the people. But the Lord shall rise upon thee, and his glory shall be seen upon thee. And the Gentiles shall come to the light, and the kings to the brightness of thy rising. May the light sent from God shine in the darkness to show us the way of salvation. O come, O come, Emmanuel. This morning's scripture reading is Psalm 100. If you wanted to follow along, it's on page 541 in your pew Bible. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord is God. It is he that made us, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him, bless his name. For the Lord is good, his steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness to all generations. The word of God for the people of God. Let us pray. Loving God, we gather in this place today to worship you and give you thanks. We praise you for another year of never-ending love and grace. May we always be thankful. Open our hearts and our understanding this morning as your word is proclaimed. Guide us with your Holy Spirit that we may give thanks in all things. Amen. Decided, I have resolved to wait upon you, Lord. My rock and redeemer, shield and reward, I'll wait upon you, Lord. As surely as the sun with eyes, you'll come to us, certain as the
reminders that we have our kids party on December 11th. It's a time for parents to drop off the kiddos and the kiddos to get sugared up and have fun. Parents, you can go do your own thing, have dinner, finish Christmas shopping. Anyway, it's December 11th. Um, we may be changing the time though. So parents, if your kiddos are coming to that, keep an eye out because we found out uh, Halotus is having a parade that same day and I don't want everybody trapped at church. It's right now it's scheduled from four to seven, but uh, just stay tuned and parents, I will send out an email for that. Grandparents, if you want to sign up your kids for it, please include your email address on the little invites on the welcome desk and I will make sure to include you on any updates that we have also. And then after that, we have December 12th, we have our children's nativity right here in the sanctuary. We will meet at 10 o'clock during the Sunday school hour to give up parts and costumes and then we will do it during children's time at the 11 o'clock service. It's always a lot of fun. We end up with tons of angels and shepherds, as it should be, and the kiddos love leading us in worship. So I hope we have a bunch of kiddos here. And at this time, I'll invite the children forward. Oh my goodness. Okay, so I love this Sunday. Do you know why I love this Sunday? It's kind of, it's the first day of Hanukkah? Of Advent? I heard Hanukkah. I don't know why. Um, you're right. It is the first Sunday of Advent, and I like that. And I like that it's right after Thanksgiving, because it's sort of like this bridge. It's this crossover, events and holidays and everybody being in a community spirit and just, I don't know, being happy, right? During Thanksgiving, we focus on thankfulness, but we can also focus on some other things, right? We're going to have a we're going to have an audience participation right now. Are you guys ready for this? Okay, so I've noticed at Thanksgiving sometimes we can become divided on some things. 
For instance, I want you to raise your hand. Are you pro green bean casserole? If you are pro green, and how many people are against green bean? Yeah, see, there's usually like you're polarized. You either love it or hate it. What about are we pro? Should it be cranberry sauce with the berries in it or cranberry jelly and the shape of the can that it came out of? Which one is it? The sauce? Who likes sauce? Sauce? What about the jelly? Yeah? And the shape of the can. It's bonus points if you keep the ridges as it comes out, right? What about, um, okay, here's a big one. And I don't know what Texas. Is it turkey or ham? What are you supposed to serve? Both. Both. Okay, we'll see. <laughs> Both hands up. I love it. What about Christmas decorations before Thanksgiving or after? If you're, <laughs> if you're before, raise your hand. There's like, there's like three of us, right? Ours go up the first weekend in November. You're welcome. What about after? The whole congregation should be after, right? Okay, and let's not even, we won't even start on football teams, but we can be pretty divided on what football teams are playing on Thanksgiving Day, right? Kansas City Chiefs? All right. <laughs> you can tell the diehard fans because they all start whispering. So we can, it's easy for us to be divided, right? And it doesn't just stop there. Those are silly examples because everybody has their preferences on things. But we can become divided about things like politics and about our opinions or our preferences, about um, our belief system, and that we want everybody to follow the same belief system that we have. And we can be divided even by language, right? And when we start to look at the world as us versus them, which it's really easy to do, right? We as people, just as human beings, we want to put things into a box so it's easier to understand. And it's very easy to go into that us versus them mentality, especially when you're talking about football, right? But when we do that, we're missing out on something because the world is not black and white. We might want it to be, but it's not. There's a whole lot of gray, gray area out there. And when we focus on just the black and the white, we miss out on a lot of ways that we can connect with other people. And so I want to encourage everybody this week and the upcoming weeks during Advent to remember the gray, remember the gray area, and to follow the example that Jesus gave us. Did you know that he focused on the gray area? He did. And I'm not saying that he gave up his, what he believed that God wanted him to do because other people told him to. That's not where I'm going with this. But Jesus was like the king of the gray area, if you really think about it. He came down and created a new covenant with us because we were incapable of keeping the old covenant. When things were black and white and God had created a relationship in black and white, we couldn't handle it, right? We couldn't stay in that white. We were constantly in that black, running away from him, doing the things that he had told us not to do. And Jesus came down and he said, you know what? Here's a gray area for you. Let me be that bridge. Let me connect you to what you need to be. And he gave us a gray area. He gave us grace, right? And that's not the only instance that he has it. We see it throughout the scripture when he does things like he connects the, the imperfect with the perfect, right? He connected us in our imperfect state with the perfect God. We'll see it when he does that with um, people who are sinners, whose society said, no, you shouldn't be talking to them at all. They don't follow God, right? That was the mindset, is if you were unclean, you weren't worthy of being spoken to. And Jesus just stomped all over that black and white and muddied it up right into gray. And he said, that's not quite what my God says. That's not quite what my Father wants us to do. It doesn't mean that we give up our right and wrong, our values and our core, but it does mean that we love the way Jesus taught us to love. And in the season of Advent, I hope that we can keep that in our hearts. This Sunday is a Sunday of hope 
And that's exactly what Jesus gave to us when he gave us that gray area. He came down and he fulfilled the prophecy that Jeremiah said, that God would be living inside of our hearts. He would be with us always. He filled that for us. And he gave us an example of how to do that. And as he gave us that example, as he lived his life, he did this amazing thing. I'm going to tie it back to Thanksgiving. You ready for this? He did this amazing thing. He's the son of God. We know that he was with God in the very beginning of the universe. John 1.1 1, 1 tells us that, right? He was with God when everything was created. He knows everything. And yet, when he lived here on earth, he gave thanks. He gave thanks. We have several instances of Jesus thanking God for what he had here on earth. How incredible is that? So as we go from this place this week, I want us to think about the fact that Jesus is our hope. He made that gray area for us so we can live with God and walk with God and talk to him anytime we want to. And still, Jesus himself gave thanks. So when we are here, when we are walking around, when we are seeing all of these things, we can continue to give thanks during Christmas season, during the whole, I want, I want, I want, here's my Christmas list. We can still give thanks for what we have, right? And we can look to the hope that Jesus brings with him when he comes at his arrival. Will you all pray with me? Let's bow our heads, close our eyes, fold our hands, and say, Dear Jesus, we give thanks to you for being our hope and our salvation. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, we're going to exit to the side for spark worship. Boy, this tree's great. I can sit behind it and go to sleep. And uh, yeah, I, uh, and I, and I, I, but I, but I've got to wake up at the right time, right? So I'll start our rainbows and rattlesnakes with the rainbow. It is to see all of you here on this first Sunday of Advent. Praise the Lord! And also tonight is the uh, first night of our Hanukkah begins tonight at sunrise for our uh, Jewish brothers and sisters. Hmm? It's sunset. Thank you. I did say sunrise, didn't I? But it, 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 but it begins at sunset. Thank you, Rebecca. Yeah, okay. What other rainbows and our rattlesnakes do we have to share with each other this morning? Chris. The angel tree is up with all the ornaments on it. Um, these angels will benefit those students from Wonky and Thornton Elementary. Um, and so the presents are due December 12th because we'll deliver them um, December by December 16th, which is a Thursday. Also, if you take an angel, um, please make sure you sign up with your name and your telephone number, what number you took. I'd appreciate it. Thanks. Lord, we pray. And I'll reiterate what Chris said because I know how things work. If you take an angel... Or I, actually, I would encourage all of you to take two angels, okay? They're better in pairs like that, you know? They're, uh, but uh, there's a sheet, there's a table with a, with a clipboard and a sheet on it. Write down your name and your phone number by the number of the angel that you took. The angel has a number on it, and it'll say something like 1A or 1B. And then you write your name down and sign it. If you don't do that, the folks that are collecting the angels might end up in the emergency room. They get, they, 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 because they think, oh, this angel has disappeared. This angel is missing in action. Anyway, so enough of that.
Let's pray. Gracious and loving God, we do thank you for this beautiful morning and all that you bless us with. We thank you particularly for this time of year when we spend more time with friends and family. Lord, we lift up those that we've named and many who have remained unnamed, who need healing, healing of any kind. We know that you are the source of life and healing. Lord, we lift up those anywhere in the world where there is violence. We lift up those who don't have the basic necessities of life. Lord, we we lift up the missionaries that are still being held in Haiti. We lift up our Christian brothers and sisters and all the American citizens who are still in Afghanistan. Lord, we lift up the leaders of this country and all the countries of the world that they would seek and do your will that your children might live in peace and harmony. Lord, we ask that you would open our understanding this morning as your word is proclaimed. Let your word dwell in us that we might walk as Jesus walked. And now we pray as he taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Well, today is, as we've noticed, the first our Sunday of Advent, and this is the Sunday of hope. You know, the different Sundays of Advent are characterized by different themes, and this is the theme of hope. And I believe that one of the greatest things to continue hope in all of our lives is to have a good sense of humor, all right? And uh, you got to have a good sense of humor. And I was going to tell my no pun intended, my foul-mouthed parrot joke, but God always provides, you know, more than, more than we can even imagine or think of. So I was going to make sure that the angel tree got mentioned, and I walked by the angel tree, and look at this. This is great. You know, I couldn't pass this one up. This child wants plants versus zombies frozen pea figure set, you know? Now, I'm going to have to research this because, you know, I, I have some things that go through my mind when I think about plants versus zombies, but, you know, or I, I actually, I think about some plants that turn people into zombies, right? But, but this was the one I saw first, but I'm saving, I'm saving the best for last. You know, this is a little girl after my own heart, right? She wants 
Nerf guns, and cats. Right? Now there's a combination for you. It reminds me of, of one of the things that Mark Twain said. He said, a man who carries a cat by the tail learns something he can learn no other way. <laughs> so anyway, we have to have a sense of humor to have hope. We do have hope this morning. And also, in, in, in conjunction with hope, we're finishing up our little short sermon on gratitude. And of course, always, always, always being thankful is, as we've, as we've discussed, that's God's will for all of us, to be thankful at all times and to be thankful for all things because you just never know, right? You never know when you might walk by an angel tree and have an opening for a sermon, right? So anyway, our, our sermon text this morning is off lectionary. Since this is the first Sunday of Advent, this is the first Sunday of the liturgical year, and we are going into year C, which is Luke's year. Remember, we have in the lectionary, we have, it's real complicated. We have year A, B, and C, and, then, and, then, and year A is Matthew, year B is Mark, and year C is Luke. So our reading this morning will come from Mark. Just to thoroughly confuse everybody, because, because, I, because like I said, this is not lectionary. Uh, actually, it comes from Mark chapter 8, and I'm going to read the first 10 verses. I'm not going to stop at verse 8. I'm going to go on and read through verse 10. Consider the word of the Lord. In those days, when there was again a great crowd without anything to eat, he called his disciples and said to them, I have compassion for the crowd because they have been with me now for three days and have nothing to eat. If I send them away hungry to their homes, they will faint on the way. And some of them have come from a great distance. His disciples replied, How can one feed these people with bread here in the desert? He asked them, How many loaves do you have? They said seven. Then he ordered the crowd to sit down on the ground, and he took the seven loaves, and after giving thanks, he broke them and gave them to his disciples to distribute. And they distributed them to the crowd. They had also a few small fish, and after blessing them, he ordered that these two should be distributed. They ate and were filled. And they took up the broken pieces left over, seven baskets full. Now there were about 4,000 people, and he sent them away. And immediately he got into the boat with his disciples and returned to the district of Dalmanutha. The word of the Lord for the people of the Lord. Please be in prayer with me and for me. Gracious and loving God, we again thank you for this day and all that you bless us with. I thank you, Lord, that you came so that we might have abundant life, abundance and life overflowing. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, 
our strength and our salvation. Well, Thursday we had what? The, the mother of all leftover meals, right? There are always leftovers from Thanksgiving dinner. They may not be left over at any other time, but they are at Thanksgiving dinner. But I want, to, I want to also take the opportunity here to remind us all not only how blessed we are, but how wasteful we are at times, right? You know, we do, we do pretty well most of the time at Thanksgiving. You have turkey sandwiches for dinner or turkey soup later on in the week. Or, you know, and a lot of things really are better left over, right? Not necessarily turkey or, but, you know, like a, you make a bowl, a, a pot of beans sometimes, right? They're better the next day. They're, 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 many things, I think, are actually better after they age a little bit. We in the United States, you know, you know think about this. We throw away 30 to 40% of the food that's produced in the country. Did y'all realize that? So it's, 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 it's an incredible number. I was looking at this. We average, uh, we average 238 pounds apiece of throwing food away every year, right? While there are over 800 million people in the world that don't have enough to eat every day. Just something to think about. Just something to think about. And on top of that, 24 to 30 percent of everything that goes into the landfill is wasted food, right? So, again, like I say, I'm not trying to lay a guilt trip on anybody, but it is something we ought to consider, and we need to be good stewards, right? The Lord teaches us to be good stewards, and in fact, that's one of the lessons that we have in this particular lesson here today. But I want us to think about hope. I want us to think about hope this morning, and, and maybe we can be thinking, hoping of ways that we can stop wasting so much in each of our lives for one thing that we do. Starts out there the way it all starts out, right? It says, this crowd of people had been with Jesus for three days. And again, we see that, that three-day deal, right, that pops up over and over and over again in the Bible. But that's not what we're talking about this morning. And it says what? It says, Jesus looked at the crowd and had compassion on them, right? He had compassion on them. That's where it always starts. God's love for all of us, right? God's love. It always starts with compassion. It always starts with love. And, of course, his disciples, they're like us, right? Jesus said, we've got to feed the crowd, and they say, well, how are we going to feed them out here, right? There's no McDonald's. There's no Wendy's. There's no Luby's. There's no nothing out here in the stinking desert, right? We've got nothing out here. But Jesus, Jesus reminds the group and his disciples as he's always doing, he asks him a question, right? How many loaves do you have? How many loaves do you have? And that's always a good question for us too, right? How many loaves do we have? The answer is we've got as many as we need, right? We've got as many as we need. We always do. Because all we have comes from God anyway. And God gives us everything we need. They say seven, 
and they give them to Jesus. And again, what does Jesus do? He gives thanks. He gives thanks. We've, we've mentioned this, and I'll mention it again. Jesus was recognized by his disciples by giving thanks when he sat down to eat, right? Something we need to do. But here's another question for us, you know? If Jesus asked you how many loaves you had, would you give him all of that you had? Or would you hold back some? Would there be some left over for you, right? Jesus wants us to be all in. And when we are, when we give Jesus everything we have, and I believe on that particular day in that group, seven loaves was all they had. And the few little fish that it mentions there, a, a few uh, lines down, and they gave them to Jesus. When we give the Lord all that we have, then what happens? There's more than enough. There's always more than enough. It goes on to say, it goes on to say what? They ate and were filled. 4,000 people, right? 4,000 people. How many of you had 4,000 people at your house for Thanksgiving? And the particular group I was in had 18, and that seemed like enough to me at that particular time. But... You're feeding 4,000 people. It says they ate and were filled. Now, this reminds me, too, of something I like to quote people. And another person I like to quote is Mother Teresa, right? And I think this is a perfect example of what she said. See, the people were out there, and it, it doesn't say that they were asking for, to be fed, but it says that Jesus had compassion on them, and he saw that they were hungry. I mean, he knew they were hungry. They'd been following him around for three days. They ate and were filled. But were they just filled with bread and fish? Or were they too filled with compassion, like Jesus had on the crowd? Mother Teresa said, the hunger for bread is much easier to take care of than the hunger for love, right? And we need to remember that. And Jesus was teaching his disciples that when he did that. Now, it said he had them take up the leftovers, take up the leftovers. And there were seven baskets full after it was over. 4,000 people had been fed, and there were seven, and, and there were seven baskets of leftovers once it was over. Now, we can go back to thinking about the amount of food, 133 billion pounds of food. That's what it comes out to. At, at 238 pounds per capita, it comes out to, uh, the, the Department of Agriculture says it's approximately 133 billion pounds of food in the United States. We're not talking about other countries that go to waste every year. I don't think Jesus would like that. He had them collect the pieces that were left over, and I believe they were used for something. Moreover, we're, we're, we're talking about Hanukkah beginning at sunset, and 
when we read back about the festivals and all that the Lord instructed Moses to teach the Hebrews about, it's always talking about finishing things up, right? Read about the Passover, you know? You don't waste anything. You don't waste anything. God wants us to practice good stewardship. Now, when I read this, I started thinking to myself, where did 4,000 people come from out in the middle of nowhere, out in the desert, where there wasn't any civilization, presumably? 4,000 people, that's a pretty good number, right? Where did they come from? And again, I remind myself, the best way to interpret Scripture is by looking at Scripture, right? You let Scripture interpret Scripture. That's the best way to go. So here we are in Mark chapter 8. And also, we have to remember what Mark told this to people before it was ever written down. It was an oral tradition. So it all goes together. We are in the habit with our lectionaries and our 14-minute sermons, right, of taking, you know, a few verses at a time and not thinking about necessarily everything else that was going on. So I looked at this, and, and there, that last verse I read, remember, remember what it said? I'm sure you all do, because I'm sure you were paying attention that much. It says, and immediately he got into the boat with his disciples and went to the district of Dalmanutha. Where is Dalmanutha? I know you all know, right? It is on the west bank of the Sea of Galilee. So, Jesus and this particular 4,000 people were on the east side of the Sea of Galilee, right? A land of what? Gentiles, right? Gentiles. Like we say, like Isaiah said, right? A light has come to the Gentiles, right? And Jesus came for all of us. A light has come to the Gentiles. So Jesus is on the other side of the Sea of Galilee, on the eastern side of the Sea of Galilee, which, if we go back to Mark chapter 5, something happened there earlier, presumably a few days, or maybe even a few weeks. It doesn't, the, the timeline's not clear. But if we go back to Mark chapter 5, Jesus has just come from the west side of the Sea of Galilee. He's gotten in the boat with the disciples, had a storm, right? He's gone across, and he's over to the east side of the Sea of Galilee now in the region of the Decapolis, it says, right, which is just a, a Greek word for ten cities. He's over there, and when he comes ashore, who greets him? The demoniac out of the tombs, right? The demoniac comes out of the tombs. And what did Jesus say to him? He's, he said, evil spirit, leave him. And this is one of the few places in Scripture it's recorded you can, you can read it for yourself. I didn't make it up. The guy's still demon-possessed. You know, usually when Jesus says, demon, leave him, or whatever, the demon leaves, the person's healed, and 
they go, go along and, and have a happy life, right? Not so in this case. And then remember what Jesus asked him? He says, what's your name? What's your name, all right? Because the demon didn't immediately leave. And the answer was, my name is Legion, right? Because there's a whole bunch of us. And that's something interesting, too. If you look in your study Bibles and commentaries and all that sort of stuff, I don't know how many a legion was, but it was a bunch. Yeah, I mean, it depends on the commentary you read. You get anywhere from 3,000 to 6,000. It, it was a group of Roman soldiers, right? So, again, depending upon what you read. But, so we'll, we'll just we'll be conservative, and we'll just take the low number, right? There's 3,000 demons in this person. Now, friends, how many distractions, I'll just call them that, do we have in our lives? What are the demons in our lives that are keeping us from focusing on what we ought to be focusing on, right? The kingdom of God and his righteousness, that's what we ought to be focusing on. That's the business we are to be about as followers of Jesus. We've had our family get-togethers and all that. Oh, and by the way, this is a bonus for all of y'all. Save it for next year. You know, especially at this time of year and at Christmas, you remember when Jesus said, if you throw a banquet, don't invite your friends and your relatives? You know, and I know a lot of people are saying, where is that scripture? I need to know that one, right? So uh, it's, uh, it's Luke 14, 12. That's where it is. But all of these people sit around in these gatherings. It happened in my own family, right? I'm sitting in a cordial situation with a bunch of people, and better than 80% of them are staring at their stupid phones, right? Now, I know none of y'all have experienced that, and I know none of you do that. And I've only heard a couple go off since we've started. But, uh, but, uh, but anyway, I would maintain that you need to be careful. I would almost call that a demon in your lives. And we have bunches of others. We are preoccupied, as, as we talked about Mary and Martha, you know, we, we are worried and, and preoccupied about too many things that really don't make a hill of beans. Kathy and I were talking about one right before the service, but I'm not going to tell you what it is. You know, we need to stay focused. Now, and here's another thing that we do as Christians a lot of times, that the demoniac did, okay? Jesus got the demons out of him. You know, they ran into the, they went into the pigs. They all ran down in the sea and drowned and all that. You, you all know the story. But you remember the demoniac? He wanted to go with Jesus, right? He wanted to go with Jesus. Not a bad thing to want. There are a couple of lessons for us here. But the first one is, you know, there's nothing necessarily wrong with wanting to go with Jesus. In fact, you know, hopefully we all want to do that. But even our good desires 
might not necessarily coincide with God's will. Jesus told him, what? He said, no, 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 no. He said, you can't go with me. In fact, the demoniac, as far as I can tell, was a leftover, right? Jesus left him over there on the other side of the sea. And he told him what? He said, go back to your town and your friends and tell them what great things God has done for you and that God had mercy on you. That's what Jesus did, right? So what's this got to do with 4,000 people? A lot, I believe. Now, it doesn't say this, but it's certainly conceivable. It's certainly conceivable. Now, the people were upset, right? These were Gentiles. They probably raised those pigs to feed those legions of Roman soldiers that were occupying the area. So Jesus was an economic disaster for them at this particular point, right? So it, and it said, what? They ran him out. He got back in the boat, and he went back over to the west shore of the Sea of Galilee. And then we read through Mark, and he's doing all these things again on the west side of the Sea of Galilee until right before these 4,000 people. I think the demoniac did what Jesus told him to do. I think he went out and started telling everybody about the good things God had done for him and how God had had mercy upon him, right? And how there was hope for them. You know, just like there's hope for all of us because of God's great love for all of us. So this morning, the first Sunday of Advent, when we're supposed to remember that darkness was across the world, Isaiah there, but the light had come, right? See, the light has come to us just like it came to that demoniac over there who was walking around the tombs, bruising himself, right? And there's another, there's another sermon. Most of our bruises are self-inflicted, right? If we're honest about it, most of the time, the things that we suffer over and anguish over and woe to me over, we're doing to ourselves, right? Just like the demoniac did when he cut himself and bruised himself and, and howled out, right? So this morning, remember, remember, Hope is in Christ. And when we go out and tell everybody else about that, we have hope. Others have hope. And there's more than enough hope left over. Amen? Now go in peace. And as you go, go with hope and share it with others. And do that with the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Amen.